Hello, and welcome to another episode of I Started Listening. It's so good to be with you again this week. I am still super excited about this season's content and just the overall theme of creation. If you didn't hear last week's episode, uh, episode one, then go back and listen to that one. It's just an overview of where we're going to be talking about this season. I think it gives a lot of really good context to even this episode. I definitely think you can listen to this episode without listening to the first, but I really think it will help uh, just give it a little bit more context and a little bit more meaning behind kind of the angle that I'm coming at this with. I don't know about you, but I have a problem, and my problem is I have a lot of interests, I have a lot of passions, and I go through a lot of phases, and a lot of these things that I enjoy doing and I'm passionate about and enjoy researching, I find on a national level or a societal level that those groups of the that, that participate in the things that I'm interested in, sometimes the groups of two things that I'm interested in are like oppose each other, you know, like, um, for example, if I'm like part of a Facebook page about a certain passion of mine. They might they may be talking crap about another passion of mind as if those two things cannot coincide. And I don't want to say that's been a struggle for me, but it's definitely just interesting that two things that I find to be um, something I'm passionate about and something that I feel are related and um, compatible, uh, a lot of society views as um, kind of opposing forces. And so that's kind of a dilemma that I'm in. Um, and in my mind, I'm just kind of like, why can't we just all work together? You know what I mean? At least for these issues. And, um, so that's my problem. And what I realized society's problem and our problem, I'll include myself in this as well, is that pretty much everything that we encounter, um, whether in the media or just in everyday life, it seems everything's a dichotomy and that's a big word and I didn't know how to spell it. So thank God for spell check. But um, dichotomy meaning like polar or binary or there's only two options um, for example going with the obvious one just red or blue like if it's not if you're not on my if you're not on my team then you're on the opposite team and um, no way that anyone could be anywhere close to intermediate you have to be all for one or all against the other um, this is a one that really splits our comp- our country which is um just a debate between Coke and Pepsi, and I know that's really split some families, and I just want to be conscious of that. Um, for those Coke people out there and those Pepsi people out there, I just really hope that we can kind of come to a consensus that Coke's better. Um, what? No, I'm just kidding. Um, but anyway, it just seems like everything in, in society is kind of a dichotomy, and it's yeah, it's a little bit unfortunate because it's always like me versus the world or the world versus me. I'm either the victim or I'm the victor. And it's always like one or the other. It's almost like in order to win, the opposer has to lose. You know what I mean? Like, it's not enough for one to succeed. It, it's, it has to be the other person has to fail. During campaigning season for the government stuff, which I don't really even keep up with, but I'll look at commercials, and this is both parties, so don't think I'm outing one party. Both parties will be like, hey, I'm running for this office, 
And here's why you should not vote for the other person. (laughs) Like, they don't even say what's good about themselves. They just say what's bad about the other person. And it's, like, paid for by the person that's talking crap. You know, it's just like, what is going on? Why can't you just talk good about yourself? I feel like that's a really good representation of what's going on in, in our society. Just like the rest of this podcast, I'm not coming on here saying I have all the answers and the world is wrong and I'm right. It's kind of just like, this is what I am experiencing and seeing in the world, and let's talk about it, and maybe through our reflection and our ability to listen and and just reflect on what's going on, then maybe we'll come to some sort of consensus or just, um, at least our ideas, will our minds will be opened and we'll have ideas about things. So again, I don't claim to have all the answers, but this podcast is about my journey to find them. And I think we can find them using the blueprints of creation. So I started listening to creation, and this is what I'm hearing. human body is quite an interesting organism. A couple fun facts for you regarding the human body. A human body has over 100,000 miles of blood vessels. One human body. 100,000 miles of blood vessels. Every second, you produce 25 million cells. There's enough electricity generated in the brain to power a light bulb. And the human face can make 7,000 expressions. Yeah, those are all pretty crazy. I found them all on the internet. I'm not sure if they're true, but they're all really cool, really interesting. And it just shows the complexity and the, the creativity of our bodies. And I believe that creativity came from a very creative creator. That was a lot of words with the root create in it, but I think it worked. And this podcast, this season is about creation. That's kind of what we're talking about. And I think when most people think of creation, they think of nature, um, kind of everything except for humans. But I believe humans are an essential part of creation. And as uh, as people, as, as humans, I believe we were called to be part of a body of Christ. So we have our own bodies, but we are also called to unite and be part of the body of Christ. That's kind of a Christianese term, or a, just a Christian term. And so if you're not a Christian, you might not know what that means. And I'm going to talk about it in a second, but um, a lot of, or the Bible refers to the body the, the church, meaning um, the global church, like not just one building, but that um, the actual people, the Christians, the people who believe in Jesus, and, and um, that they are the church. And so that whole group of the church is called the body of Christ. And, and there's a lot of analogies in the Bible about that, and I'll get to that in a second. But for those that don't necessarily 
know what that term body of Christ means, that's where it comes from. And this is actually one of my favorite analogies is, is the body of Christ and, and just different ways that we can think about that because I was raised as a Christian and in churches and um, I've been to several churches and I listened to a lot of churches online. And so I see several different um, teaching methods, several different um, just ways to go about the Bible, ways to go about their faith, ways to uh, congregate. Um, there's um, kind of people that focus and groups of Christians even that focus on grace and others focus on truth. There's some people that um, are all about building disciples within the church and then other churches that are really like all about outreach and going outside the church and finding finding people that need Jesus. There are certain churches that are more charismatic and others that are more traditional. There are some churches that really value the idea of, quote, having fun and others that are more serious about things. There are some that are mega churches. They're giant and some churches are really small. Some just meet in homes. Some churches play Christian rock music and others sing hymns. And, and even just listening to several pastors um, or preachers online and just in the churches that I've been, some will preach more and guide their church more in a direction where they talk more about like faith or blessings or some focus more on grace or some focus on overcoming obstacles. And it kind of seems like each church really focuses on, on something else. And a lot of people have opinions about, you know, oh, that church talks too much about grace. They need to talk more about truth, you know, and um, other people are like, wow, that church over there, they just really slam truth and all the, um, you know, whatever, and they need to talk more about grace. And it's really interesting that we are even what I mentioned earlier about the, the dichotomy between us versus them on everything. And it's like, it's just like, dude, what the heck is going on? We all say we believe in the same Jesus. One, The thing that I was thinking about about this recently that I think has really got me, I think, preparing for this episode of the podcast and, and really inspired it was, I don't know how many months it's been, uh, several months, but just you hear certain, um, or I, I would hope most pastors, I would hope all pastors or people who lead the church or people who are um, planting churches or um, just leading when it comes to people gathering in, in, in any respect like that, that it's not out of selfish ambition or um, self-centeredness or um, that they're trying to do things their own way in order to get reap their own benefits, but that they're actually listening um, to God and they they prayed about that decision and they felt like God called them to plant a church here or start a home group there. And I, when they, several pastors, when they say that, I believe them, you know what I mean? And so how ignorant and arrogant would it be of me to say only the people that go to this specific type of church must have actually felt that God was leading them in that direction and everyone else is just losing their mind. You know what I mean? And I got to think the idea, I'm like, well, yeah, I guess I believe both of them. You know what I mean? Which means that God did call some like p- 
people to different types of churches and different types of messages and different types of music and focus on different things within the church. And I got to thinking about that because in our human brains, that is complex, right? It's like, why don't we just have one type of everything and then everyone else can be wrong? (laughs) I think God might do that for a couple of reasons, but I think the main thing I want to focus on, and I think the main reason, is that our human brains are not capable of comprehending the magnitude and majesty of the full character of God and the full spirit of God. And so, because of God's grace, he kind of dumbs it down down for us so that we can fully understand who he is. And so, because one person and because one singular congregation cannot fully represent the character of God, he uses different churches and different um, congregations, different gatherings, different people, different individuals. Um, And in the next episode, we'll even talk about nature. But he uses all of these things each to reveal part of his character of God, of himself. The conclusion that I've come to is that the Spirit of God is revealing different parts of his character to each one of his children, and so that each of the children can fulfill their role in the body, in this body of Christ that I talked about earlier. And as you know, because you have a body, all parts of the body should look, function, think, feel, and replicate differently. They should move differently. Likewise, we should all, as individuals, as children of God, but made uniquely, we should all have desires and skills and interests and perspectives. And just how each part of the human body tells you something about a very, very complex system that is the human body, in the same way, each one of us reveals something about the very, very, very complex creator. Like I said earlier, we're not smart enough to fully understand God's full character. So he breaks it down for us. I really feel like I breaks it down, you know. Uh, Each person reveals part of his character. Just like I reveal parts of my dad's, my earthly father's character in the same way because we are children of God. Each of us are revealing part of his character. And this is needed because if we think about all the ways that God is described in the Bible, Here's just a few, and it goes way beyond this. But he's described as a lion and a lamb, as fire and wind, as the father, as the beginning, as the end, as the one who sees, as the healer, as the prince of peace, as the shepherd, as the creator, and the list goes on and on and on. And it's like, how can he be the beginning, but also the end? You know what I mean? How can he be fire, but also a lamb? How can it be the prince of peace, the peacemaker, but also a lion? You know what I mean? All the ways that God is described in the Bible, we are also revealing in our lives. For example, everyone's heart breaks for something, and it's different for each person. Some people, their heart breaks for the homeless, some for widows, some for orphans, some for the hungry, some for the prisoners. The list just goes on, and and so it'd be be a helpful exercise for you just to think about when it comes to 
um, your life, what does your heart break for? What do you see? And you're, you're like, oh, we have to do something about that. We have to do something about that because that isn't right. And it's not like, oh, I'm, I'm so offended by that. I need to do, I need to out them on Twitter or whatever, you know? It's, no, my heart breaks for that. My heart breaks for that person. I believe that is part of the character of God. God's heart breaks for these people. For the injustice, the um, the outcasts. And, and in the same way, everyone's heart also runs toward something. Everyone has these passions, the things that drive them. You know what I mean? Um, for some people, it's animals. Some people, it's music. Some people, it's art. Some people, it's construction. And in the same way, that's where God's heart also runs toward all of those things. The cool thing is, is that my passion for horses and animals and nature and the homeless and the lonely does not come even close to the full character of God. The complete unity of the body is the only thing that can come close. So we talked about this, the body of Christ. And so if, if I'm just, I'm just a you know, I'm just a single cell, you know, I'm not even a whole uh, arm or a whole leg or whatever. I'm a single cell. And so even though I'm revealing just a part of God's character, it, it's nowhere close. And the only way to, to come close to, to fully representing the character of God is when the body of Christ, the whole church, the sons and daughters of Jesus, the... um the body of Christ comes together in complete unity. That is what represents who God is. And when Jesus was on earth, he actually prayed for this in John 17, that we would become one, just as Jesus and the Father were one. And it says that um, when we become one, that will show the godless world of the of the creator's love for them the thing that might convince people the most that there is a god and a god who loves them is when they see the body of christ unified each revealing a different part of god's character and the crazy thing is is that jesus prayed this 2000 years ago and it's still not fulfilled there is still not unity within the body and, and when we think about this prayer that Jesus did in John 17, first of all, even though it's not fulfilled, what a great opportunity that he gave us in this. We don't have to sit around wondering what the creator's stance is on unity. You know what I mean? We don't have to take an educated guess, a prediction. We don't have to read between the lines. You know what I mean? We don't have to infer what the God of the universe thought about unity and then make our deci- our physical decisions based on that. Nope, he makes it pretty super clear in John 17. And he also makes it pretty super clear with how he designed nature, which we'll get into in the next episode. What currently stands in our way from becoming a body that represents the fullness of the character of God? One word. It's fear. We are afraid that if someone else wins, then we lose. That is my opinion based on just what I've seen 
and, and as I've listened to kind of what is going on around, I think it's fear that is driving the disunity. I think that's a word within the body of Christ and within people is that we are afraid. We're afraid if someone else wins, that automatically means that we lose. If someone else gets a promotion, I lose. If someone else gets a better grade than me, I lose. If someone else buys a house before me, I lose. If someone else fill in the blank. And it's true for all of us. And I can prove it because sometimes something good will happen to someone else. And instead of feeling happy for them, I feel sad for myself. I know I'm probably the only one in the world that thinks that, uh, who feels that. So um, you probably can't relate to that, can you? But I definitely have felt that before. There's this fear that there's not going to be enough to go around. You know what I mean? Uh, That if they get something, that means I cannot. Because there must be a limited number of good things in the world. You know what I mean? But I have good news. When we listen to creation, we get good news. And this is the good news that I feel like I want to share with you today. And I'm going to do a whole other episode on this word But I just want to give you a brief overview because it relates to this idea of unity today. But our creator is a God of abundance, abundance. And that's the word I'm going to do a whole nother episode on later this season is the word abundance and go more in depth. But I want to touch on it today because of how it relates to our place in the body of Christ and how it relates to this idea of unity, of becoming one. Our God is a God of abundance, which means where he walks, there is no shortage. Okay, Um, do I need to prove it? Sure. Um, Five loaves, two fish, feeds 5,000 people. Boom, roasted. Uh, Peter and the gang, the fishermen, cannot cannot catch any fish. Jesus goes, yo, Pete, throw the net to the other side. They catch so many fish that they can't even bring it on board because the nets are about to break and the boat will freaking sink. Um, He turns water into wine and they have leftover wine. Um, The Garden of Eden was a place of abundance where Jesus walked with his creation. And um, I actually want to go back to the, yo, Pete, throw the net to the other side, you know what I'm saying, about the fishermen. Um, Because a lot of people think that God wants to give us abundance when it comes to, like, he'll give us way more opportunities to give money to the homeless, or he'll give us way more opportunities to be nice to the coworker, or he'll give us way more opportunities to spend time with our family. And he definitely will do all those things, I believe. But a lot of people don't think that God is a God of abundance when it comes to their actual occupation or when it comes to their actual finances, or something they, I guess you can say, actually want. You know, it's like, I actually want to get a promotion, or I actually want to make more money, or I actually want to do this. And we think, God doesn't care about those things. He only cares about uh, making sure that we learn how to be more patient, or making sure we learn how to um, have more self-control. And I definitely think he gives us a lot of opportunities that are very intentional to work on things like anger and self-control and patience and whatnot. But when Peter and the fishing gang cannot catch any fish, like they're 
if you remember, their job is to be fishermen, which means the amount of money they make is dependent on how many fish that they catch. So Jesus, by saying, throw the net to the other side, my brothers, um, and they catch an overwhelming, overwhelming amount of fish, not only is that a testament to God's abundance and uh, desire to bless us, but it's also in the area that that is their occupation. And it's not like they were pastors, you know, or missionaries or theologians, you know what I mean? They were fishermen. And so it doesn't really matter what your occupation is. Like God wants to bless you in the occupation. There's abundance in the occupation. Okay, that was a little bit of a tangent. But I just want you to let you know, like God is not limited because your boss gave the promotion to someone else. You know what I mean? Besides, the Bible says that God is the one to exalt. Where there is God, there is an overflow. Going back to this idea of the analogy of the body of Christ and how it relates to the human body as an analogy, many of us, and I have definitely been in this boat, let's pretend we're the hand for a second. So I'm the hand, and I grab food. But my fear keeps me from giving the food that I have, which I'm the hand, the food I have to give it away to someone else who would be the mouth. So I just hold on to it. And pretty soon the food goes bad and our hand gets tired and everyone suffers. But if I would have just given the food to the mouth, to the other members of the body, then I would have recognized that when I gave it away, even I, along with everyone else, received more nutrients and more opportunities to use the gifts for good. But when we hold on to these things, they can only rot. But when we we celebrate them and use them with our brothers and sisters, then it's nourishing to everyone because we are a unit. We are a body. We are a complex system. When we realize that when the creator blesses one part of the body, the whole thing is blessed, we can truly start celebrating each other's victories because our God is a God of abundance. When we serve a God of abundance, that means we don't have to limit the number of people at our table because we can always pull up another chair or build a bigger table Because we know that there's going to be enough food for everyone. The amount of people is not a problem. God will always provide in abundance. A lot of people are scared for unity. Because they think if they invite someone to the table, they have a fear that there's not going to be enough food for themselves. But then they forget that God is a God of abundance. I cannot wait to do that another episode on abundance. It's going to be awesome. In conclusion, I am concluding. I have a real fascination with Africa, especially the native peoples and the tribes in Africa. And I was listening to a podcast from the Tim Ferriss show. And on there, he had a man named Boyd Vardy. And he wrote a book called The Lion Tracker's Guide to Life. And I love that book. This is one of the most interesting podcasts I've ever listened to. Boyd Vardy was raised in Southeast Africa. And he talks about this term that a lot of African cultures use called Ubuntu. Pretty sure I'm saying that right. Ubuntu. 
and it means I am because of you. Or people are not people without other people. That's how Boyd described it because the words, the, the phrase I am because of you, it sounds cool, but to be honest, my brain doesn't really comprehend what that means. But when he says it means people are not people without other people, that makes a little more sense. He talks about it as a collective consciousness, not individualistic. The collective nature of life. Because out here in the in Western civilization, our our search for meaning is is it's in a constant state of comparison. Like how I'm doing is dependent on how bad you're doing, basically. You know what I mean? Or like how well I'm doing is how high I'm climbing the ladder or how far I can get up this pyramid. It, it It's kind of the ladder mentality. But Ubuntu, it's I learn about myself. Like my meaning comes through my encounter with the world, with nature. And when one person suffers, that means we all suffer because I am because of you, because we are one body. When part of our body gets hurt, everyone rushes to every part of our body contributes to the healing because we know that if that blood in our finger from a paper cut just bleeds forever and the rest of our body doesn't help put a stop to the blood that we're all going like our whole body is going to die from blood loss okay and it's the same mentality of ubuntu u b u n t u the podcast is Boyd Vardy on the Tim Ferriss Show. So good. And I just want to end with that word, Ubuntu. I think when we stop making every relationship about comparison and competition, it's so much easier to love people because their win is our win. This is where creation-inspired unity happens when we become the fullness of the body of Christ and we are fully able to represent the character of our creator. Join me next time as we talk about unity in nature. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week. (music) 